0: Very exciting to see uh, just continual flow of transformation of different people's lives, families, and so on. This last week, I've heard a few reports of people that have just so uh, been transformed. One one lady is well into her latter years, and she told us, "You know, I've grown up in church all my life, but until I came here, I didn't realize. I'm not even sure I was ever a Christian or understood what it was to have a real relationship with Christ." Uh, how many of you know Jesus really wants to have a true relationship with you? God does not want us to make people religious. We are not wanting to make you more church-like. We want to make you more Christ-like. That is the objective that we make disciples who make disciples. So um, get your little cards there, and I want us to shuffle past any distraction today. I really want us to tune in because I feel that this is a, an incredibly important assignment for us as a family for some of the things that God's calling us to. So, why don't you put your hand on your heart. Lord, uh, we ask you to help us today to truly fulfill the purpose in your heart for our gathering. Some of us think we just landed here maybe by accident or uh, really not on purpose, but I know there's a reason for every person in this room to be here today and I pray that you would have an individual conversation by your Holy Spirit with each and every one of us as you minister very specifically to all of us as a family. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. The word and our prayers have home court advantage, right? Amen, Amen, right? Amen. Amen. We want to release something together today. We're here together on assignment so I want to invite your partnership in that process Um, We're going to carry on this focus of understanding how Jesus is uniquely revealed in each of the 66 books of the Bible. So here we've gone through the entire Old Testament. John 5, Jesus said, the scriptures speak of me. The New Testament hadn't yet been written. So obviously, every book of the Bible reveals Jesus in a really wonderfully unique way. So we've been looking at how he's been revealed. Some of those books have been just uh, astonishing to us. Others, we've kind of evaluated how Jesus is revealed. What we've learned is scripture, particularly the Old Testament, is richly furnished and dimly lit. So we want to explore through and find out what God is wanting to reveal. And today we're going to look into 2 Corinthians. We learned last week in looking at the Corinthian believers that um, Paul went in and this was a rowdy group of people. So what Paul would do was show up in various communities. He would start sharing the gospel, win people to Christ, establish a church, and then move to a different community. The Corinthians, they were... Um, They were a partying bunch. They were a rowdy bunch. They were pretty wild and out there. They were living in a very sexualized, self-inundated culture. And so we can kind of identify and relate with these people. And uh, the first book of Corinthians is Paul addressing how they had started coming unraveling as a group of believers after he moved on to another community. Now we're going to look into the second uh, book of Corinthians where they actually started making accusations against their pastor. This is the thing. Paul had more trouble with this congregation of people than he did all the other congregations he started and led combined. The Corinthians were a troubled crew. Uh, anybody can relate to the Corinthians? Can I just see a quick poll? Like You, you understand what it is to, to have issues. Anybody have issues in here? Can I just see you have issues? Just point to somebody who has issues. Say, they got issues. Okay, good. So you got to understand, Jesus is there to help walk this stuff out, take care of the details. Uh, What we find in, in Corinthians, both first and second, that Corinthians reveals Jesus as the second Adam. Jesus is revealed in Corinthians as the second Adam, and in 2 Corinthians, he's revealed as the second Adam who brings us great confidence, even in the midst of accusation. uh, You've probably experienced before what it is to be falsely accused, right? That's no fun. And so this is a great book to help us understand how to respond to all of that. So in the midst of this and evaluating the troubles that were going on, first blank, if you'll write it in. Churches have people, so churches have problems. Churches have people, so churches have problems. And we openly admit, as we talked about last week, sometimes all of us are capable of being what we termed disciples with dirty diapers. And our attitudes can smell really bad from time to time, right? Uh, And so what we're trying to do is grow up in a place of greater maturity And uh, This was really the issue that was going on here in this whole attitude that the Corinthians were having and their accusation. They were saying two things to Paul, that he was inconsistent and that he had wrong motives. And Those were his greatest accusation. We see now in 2 Corinthians 1, starting verse 17, how uh, Paul began to respond, and this is what he said. "'Was I vacillating when I wanted to do this? Do I make my plans according to the flesh, ready to say yes, yes, and no, no at the same time?' As surely as God is faithful, our word to you has not been yes and no. If anybody in the room speaks any Spanish, you know that it's a common phrase in speaking Spanish to say, Si, pero no. And it's kind of putting yes and no together, giving you an option, right? And so Paul was saying that's not where he was coming from. His yes is yes, and his no is no. So what we want to see is kind of how we should respond as leaders when accusation comes our way. And this is a beautiful depiction of this with Jesus being our confidence. So how many of you in the room are leaders? Raise your hand if you're a leader. Okay, it is a trick question. So, uh, like some of us are trying to qualify, what does it mean to be a leader? Uh, How many of you are parents? Raise your hand if you're parents. Okay, you're leaders if you're parents. Um, If you're involved in anything in any way that's influencing other people, then you're a leader. okay? If you get involved in the neighborhood Association, if you, if you step forward in any area of your life to, uh, to make a difference, then that's kind of the essence of leadership, just stepping up to make a difference in some direction. This is what I've figured out. You probably have too. As soon as any of us step forward to lead, lead people, people begin to notice us. They kind of notice us like they would notice a bullseye, right? Uh, Like they aim the crosshairs in your direction and immediately like you step up to make a difference. Now, Now hear me loud and clear on this, okay? You are not merely called to make a point. You are called by God to make a difference. We're not called to make a point. We're called to make a difference. So don't settle for making a point when you're called to make a difference. You have to step up, be seen, be heard, be available, love, serve, give, do something to make a difference in the lives of those around you to fulfill your God-given assignment. You can't just shirk back, I'm going to kind of hide in the corner, not really engage in the things of God. That's not really me. Are you going to answer the call of God on your life? Because every one of us are going to come to the conclusion of this life. We will all take our last breath. And we will all have to, in that moment, come to the realization that my years allotted to me are now finished. And we have to understand before we get to that point, am I living those years full of the assignment and the purpose of God? It's not on your notes. Maybe you should write it down. I say it often, but there is something God wants done that make you necessary. There is something God wanted done that made you necessary. You're, you're not an accident. You're not an experiment. You are a purposed assignment from God to your generation and to your world. So rise up in that and may we all walk this out. And though accusation will come when we try and step into those places, we're going to keep our hearts right before God. Thick skin, soft hearts. How many of you know we are all capable of being loving and hateful all in the same breath? Anybody? And that's why I want to just um, welcome you here today where we can in, uh, you know, share with you a brand new invention that's just come out. And uh, it's great. Um, anybody have a Christian fish on your car? Can I just see you have a Christian fish on your car? How many of you do not have a Christian fish on your car on purpose? On purpose. Because you know. You know how you are on the road. And you're thinking, I don't really want anybody to see the Christian fish if I, well, w- good news for you, because we can all be loving and hateful all in the same breath. They've invented something just for you. And so here it is it is a push button Christian fish. So when you want to behave like a Christian, you leave your fish out. But when you need to flip someone off, or cuss somebody out, or honk and run them off the road, hit the button first. Hide the fish. No one knows you're a Christian. Act like you want to act, and then you can hit the button. It'll come back out, and you go, "How many of you know this is brilliant? This is awesome." This is so great. In fact, I'm just going to share a friend of mine's sin as I share this with you. I thought it was a perfect illustration. As I was standing in the back, Dewey Bean, a graduate of our Christian school here, uh, he's back here, has worked with our kids ministry, now studying with our youth ministry, and he said to me as he walked in, I got a ticket on my way to church. And I said, oh, they didn't just give you a warning. He said, no, that was last week in the same spot with the same cop. (laughs) Dewey, get a Christian fish that you can hide, okay? And take the destiny bumper sticker off, please. (laughs) Raise your hand, Dewey. Everybody wants to see who you are. Oh, there he is, ladies and gentlemen. What a good man. So Claire A. Murray made this statement. I want you to think about how fickle you and I can be. How many of you admit it right now you can be fickle? Right? I can be loving and wonderful and immediately change. And so Clary and Mary made the statement. It's such a good statement. The problem with being a leader is that you're never sure if you're being followed or if you're being chased. <laughs> That's the problem with leadership, isn't it? But I just want to point out something. I have learned over the years, if you'll stay calm and you'll not get worked up about it, then people that are sometimes chasing you will ultimately come around to follow your lead if this is part of the assignment of God and you don't break that covenant don't give, don't don't be freaked out just because somebody who's following you does start to chase you it happens right I mean, parents can immediately picture all of this, right? My kids are following me, and then I feel like they're hunting me down. You know, like they got it in for me. But, but don't, don't get worked up. Just relax, pray, and ask God for wisdom to walk this out in every area of leadership. That's exactly what Paul was doing in this process. Uh, David set this example, King David, wonderful example of a man of God in Scripture. And the Bible says that his men grew angry and disgruntled and spoke of stoning him okay, They're, they decided we're going to kill our leader. We're fed up with him and we're going to kill him. And then in that text of Scripture in the Old Testament, where you, when you read that, you'll find it says, David broke away and he found, will you say found? I want you to think about that word. He found encouragement in the Lord. See, sometimes encouragement is given. And aren't we glad when somebody gives us encouragement? But I want to tell you something. You... You are responsible to live a life that is inspired and vibrant and encouraged. And if encouragement is not being given to you, get along with God and find encouragement. Stay on top of your game. There's way too much at stake for you to be shrinking back. Come on. God's word has home court advantage today. We just clap that in and declare it. You can find encouragement in the Lord. Even when your greatest adversaries are rising up against you. Have you ever thought about the fact that, like, God used David's adversary to promote him? I mean, it would be. You know, make more sense just practically speaking, how you know God would use his friends to promote him. But do you understand when adversarial situations come your way, God is revealed in scripture? It's not, he doesn't require that you even have friendships to get you where he wants you to go. He can even use your enemies. Thank God for your friends, but thank God for your enemies, because in one day David killed that giant and he went from a young man who was unknown to a national hero, well on his way to fulfilling everything. God had in store. Do not despise or hate your enemies. Let God use them. You keep loving them. Come on. Or hit them in the head with a rock. Whichever. Stay encouraged. (laughs) Don't preach that in youth this Wednesday, okay? Stay encouraged. I want to say the statement again. You are responsible to present the most vibrant you that you can possibly present before the Lord your God. Stay encouraged. Some people are going to write you off, like David's men did. Some people are going to talk behind your back. Some people are going to gossip. Some people are going to accuse you. But just because somebody writes you obituary does not mean you are obligated to die. You can make the choice to live. No matter what the circumstance may be, you can make the choice to rise above. I remember the story of the farmer and his goat fell in the well and and, and the the goat had been eating the farmer's wife's plants and, and in the middle of all this he thought to himself, oh, great, the problem is solved because the well is deep. And he heard the goat down there, you know, he's stuck down there. He's thinking, well, I hate to just, you know, see him suffer. So he decides he's going to put him out of his misery. And he just starts shoveling dirt over just to bury him. Just going to give him a, you know, bury him alive, but at least bury him and then he'll die faster. And he's shoveling dirt and shoveling dirt and he's sweating and wearing himself out. And all of a sudden the, the goat hops out of the well. And he realizes in that moment that every time he shoveled dirt over on top of the goat, the goat would shake off the dirt, pat it down, and step up a little bit higher. And I wanna say, when people throw things on you, they throw dirt in your direction. Why don't you shake it off, pat it down, and live life from a little higher plane? Don't let that get you down, come on. You were born for more than that. As David had to find the encouraging voices when he was being told by his brother and others, what are you doing, you pipsqueak? You know, go back to the sheep. You're not here to fight this giant. He's too big. And the Bible actually says David turned away from those voices and he started asking questions. What will be done for the man who kills this giant? And I love it. When you look at Max Lucado's statement in the parallel to what the story shares there, Max Lucado said, you can never lead the orchestra until you're willing to turn your back on the crowd. I want to say to you, not everybody's tongue belongs in your ear. Stop listening to stuff you should not be listening to. I know that whole tongue thing threw you off, didn't it? That's actually the title today. Not everybody's tongue belongs in your ear. Not everybody's voice belongs in your head. Not everybody's opinion needs to be your paradigm. God has an opinion, and you need to pay attention to the right opinion if you're going to fulfill the purpose that God has in store for your life. There was a a young man playing football in high school. Amazing, amazing guy. He was five foot nine inches tall and just stocky build and you know built that low to the ground muscular he was he was unstoppable he was known statewide he began to be known even more than statewide nationwide he went on to play college ball phenomenal football player five foot nine inches tall and then he wanted to play in the NFL and everybody told him the scouts and everybody that he was trying to talk to he was even looking at hiring people make some contacts for me so that I can potentially play they all told him the same thing you're five feet nine inches tall you've had a great college career you were amazing high school career but nobody plays football in the NFL with the big guys if they're only five feet nine inches tall but I don't know about you I'm kind of glad Emmett Smith chose not to listen to the scouts and if you know anything about football you know Emmett Smith was like one of the most phenomenal NFL football players in the history of football he had 11 straight 1,000 yard rushing seasons 3 Super Bowls under his belt and he was MVP of Super Bowl 28 and thank God he stayed the course or we would have never seen him on Dancing with the Stars come on he made it All I'm saying to you today is that other people's opinions don't have to become your reality. Paul was struggling with the accusations that were coming from the people that he loved so much. Isn't that the case? Come on, I'm getting personal now. It's the people who love you the most that can hurt you the most. and The deeper the pain, listen carefully, the deeper the the pain, the greater the opportunity for you to identify with the suffering of Christ. Don't waste your suffering. People let you down. Are you going to get sour, get bitter, get angry, turn away from God? I'm mad at God. I'm mad at church. Me too. Because the church has people, the church has problems. And I am a problem from time to time. How about you? I mean, let's get honest about this and see it correctly. Are you going to turn away from it? Or are you going to realize, you know what? When somebody speaks against me, Jesus was spoken against. I, I had a, a conversation once with someone whose husband left her, betrayed her, left her. And it was so interesting, the conversation concluded with this statement of, how must Jesus have felt to be betrayed. This were, weren't my words. <laughs> How must Jesus have felt to be so betrayed by those who he loved so much to be crucified by the very ones he came to give himself to? You know what that woman was doing? She was taking her suffering and identifying with the suffering of Christ, choosing to be better instead of growing bitter, moving away from the purposes of God. She was moving in to becoming more sensitive to what God wanted to do. Let me just tell you that is a win. There's not a person in this room who can't do exactly what I just said. Every one of us. Don't, don't, don't formulate our. No, you don't know how bad my situation is. You've got to make a choice to take every thought captive. Every thought. Sometimes it's good just for me to toss out there and remind you, I know what it is to be sexually molested as a child by a trusted family member. I do know what that is. Maybe some of you in the room know what that is. Let me just say to you, That doesn't have to devastate or destroy any human being, no matter what comes your way. We may live in a fallen world, but we serve a risen king. You can more than conquer any situation. The enemy tries to lay on you. Come on. Home court advantage. Come on, help me today. I need some help in here today. Rise up. Shake it off. Pat it down. Live a little higher. Romans 2.11 says it this way in the message. God pays no attention to what others say about you. He makes up his own mind. It's great truth. God will just make up his own mind. And his determination about who you are is actually discovered in Christ, not in your efforts. That's a whole other realm that we need to explore into as we walk this out. But Paul's declaration, he, he goes on in 2 Corinthians and, and he's, now we've seen what he's fighting. We've seen how he's having to conquer this, this mountain he's having to climb, how he's identifying with the suffering of Christ and he's becoming more of who God wants him to be as a result. I hear the Holy Spirit right now as I'm speaking saying some of you in this room need to purpose to identify the suffering that's going on in your life to become more like Christ as a result. I don't want to just preach on and give you my message today. I want the Holy Spirit to have his way. I believe in God. How about you? I'm not here to fulfill a religious order and do a religious duty and hopefully get the paycheck. I am here to tell you every one of us are on assignment by God and we need to hear what God has to say and live life to truly the fullest of what he's called us to live life to so that other people will begin to find their way. How many of you in this room, you know you're identifying with what I'm saying? There's suffering that has happened in your life and you've not looked at it correctly and you need to identify with the suffering of Christ. I want you to raise your hand if that's you. Just hold them up there. I've had suffering in my life and I've not seen it correctly. Just hold them up. We're in agreement here. I am going to identify with Christ in that. Lord, all these hands across this place, I believe there's some deposit you're making right now in this moment in time. Not to get a little motivational sermon uh, chirped out today, but God, a deposit from heaven that would establish in our hearts and cause us to be the men and women of God that you've called us to be, that we might draw others into the purposes of God, that we would fulfill the assignment of God and see the kingdom of God expand in the earth as a, as a result of our surrendered, available lives in Jesus' Mighty name. Come on, Job 27 says, Hiss in the enemy away by the clapping of our hands. There's something about engaging our faith in an expression. Our song has power, our shout has power, our dance has power. Clapping our hands has power. The promises of God belong to us through our yes and amen. That's why we want to give God's word home, court, advantage. We want to declare and agree and release it, not only in our lives, but in the lives of those around us. Paul steps into this this place where he's been accused, where he's grown weary, perhaps, in some of his ways of thinking about this, and he makes this incredible statement, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, as we're journeying through this letter, verse 16, he said, we do not lose heart. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal." What is seen is temporary, and what is unseen is eternal. I want to just make sure we get this. If you've heard God speaking something to you, then, then you need to embrace that so that you can fulfill His assignment. And if what you're seeing, if what you're seeing is not, resembl- is not resembling what God's been speaking and saying, then what you're seeing is temporary and is subject to change. God's Word is truer than the circumstances that stare you in the face. God's Word is truer than the situation at hand. Heaven and earth will pass away, but God's Word will remain. Situations will come and go, but God's Word will remain. I don't want to just leave my family in a nice religious thing. I want to hear the voice of God, and I want to declare when I look into my daughter's eyes, this is God's will concerning you in Christ Jesus. I want to be able to proclaim something of substance and something of value. I'm in a mood today. I feel like God's in a mood today. He wants to deal with some things. He wants to address some things in our hearts. We cannot settle for just trying to be warmer than most Christians of our generation. I don't understand. I don't understand how Christians could be burned at the stake at Nero's directive. And history tells us Nero stuck his fingers in his ears as Christians were being burned alive, not because he didn't want to hear their shrieks and screams of pain, but because he could not stand hearing their worship while they were burned alive. And Roman citizens had the highest level of citizenship accomplishment and achievement that the world had to offer. And these Roman citizens sitting in the Colosseum seats that would see this happening, like this isn't make-believe, this is history. They would see this happening and, and how can you worship when you're being burned to death? The only way I can think of it is Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego and Jesus showed up when the flames started going and somehow they entered into a heavenly disposition and they had, the world had no effect on them. And these Roman citizens watching this take place, they had everything to lose that the world had to offer. And history tells us they jumped from their seats into the ground of this Colosseum and they ran to these Christians saying, whatever it is you're experiencing from heaven in earth, I can't find it anywhere in the earth. I have to have this. It would cost them their lives. When they jumped and ran, they knew they were running to their death. But let me just say, there are some things in this world that you've got to be willing to abandon if you're going to fulfill everything God's called you to. Somebody wake up! Wake up! If we're going to upgrade the output of our lives, we have to upgrade the input of our lives. Turn the page. Get in the Word. Don't just read the book. I don't want to make a bunch of religious nonsensical people that walk around with all their religious ideas putting people off because you got it all figured out. You don't. Stop it. Just learn to become more like Christ as your ultimate objective of Christianity. Stop hurling insults and judgments in every direction just because people don't believe the same way you do. We Christians sure get mad when people sin in ways other than we do. If you're going to upgrade the output of your life, you have to upgrade the input of your life. Get in the Word. Spend time with the author. Don't just read the book. Sit with the author. Listen, the Holy Spirit will speak to you. Pray attention. Have conversations with God. Temporal situations should always be affected by our eternal point of view. God's purposes, last blank. God's purposes for you are more powerful than other people's opinions of you. God's purposes for you are more powerful. Whatever other people have said, God's purposes are more powerful. I was 25 years old had just become the principal of the school and I was sitting in a room with a parent that was very unhappy with us and particularly unhappy with me and in absolute rage and anger she got up from her seat and she came across that office and she stuck her finger close enough to my nose that if I had moved it would have touched it. and She screamed in my face with a shrieking loud voice, you! will never amount to anything. And as she said it and stormed out of the office, I believed it. She was very convincing. Very convincing disposition. Very convincing tone. Very convincing voice very convincing message because I'm very familiar with my weaknesses. So are you. I'm very familiar with my failures. So are you. And the problem is we get in religious circus circles that make no room for anybody to fail and it's a bunch of nonsense. Your failure makes room for other people to realize God doesn't require perfection to use us and I had to climb out of the pit that I allowed myself to get into after having that conversation spoken over me some of you have heard those very words and I break those word curses in your life in Jesus name some of you have heard words that you can't do something, you'll never accomplish something and I break those now in Jesus name like, I'm not just up here saying I break them. Like, I really mean it. The Bible says there's an anointing that we carry that destroys every yoke of bondage. And some of you today are going to break into a place of accelerated freedom unlike anything you've ever known because you're going to get free from some of this stuff. So, Lord, I pray that you would help us to understand that. Help us to recognize those Christians who were burned at the stake, all that has unfolded in generations before we ever arrived really makes no room whatsoever for us to reduce Christianity into some kind of self-serving religion where our whims and our desires are at the middle of everything God wants to do in our world. Lord, I pray you forgive us for that and help us to discover the cross that's right there at the center. It costs us everything and rewards us beyond what this world could ever understand but the bottom line we have to die if we're going to live Jesus name come on let's just stand together in Jesus mighty name thank you Lord thank you Lord thank you Lord just close your eyes would you just open your heart see the thing is we don't ask you to figure this out Because none of us have this figured out. What we ask you to do is just yield your heart toward the Lord and let Him take you in the right direction. And So every one of us are on a journey. All of us are just trying to find our way. But if you're here today and you say, you know, I've not followed Christ. I know I need to make a decision to serve Him. If that's you, just slip up your hand. I want to pray for you before we go on. Thank you. Just quickly, anybody else? Thank you, sir. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Anybody else? I just need to know that I'm where where I need to be in this journey of salvation to start with like I can't hear God if I'm not following after Christ so come on let's all pray this prayer out loud would you say this on behalf of these five who've lifted their hands say it out loud Lord Jesus you're the giver of life you are who you say you are you came You lived, you died, but you're alive today. You're the Messiah, and I need you as my Savior to rescue me from my sin. Lead me, guide me, and direct me all the days of my life. Be the Lord of my life in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, let's give the Word of God home court advantage today.